You're listening to Meet the RIA. In this special podcast edition of the show, you'll get expert insight from some of the top registered investment advisors in the country. Here's your host, Jenna Dagenhart, and today's special guest, Vance Bars, wealth strategist and founder at Your Dedicated Fiduciary. Vance, thanks for being with us. Let's start with your clients. What are their biggest concerns right now? Jenna, clients have potential tax changes at front of mind. On a daily basis, the planners here at Your Dedicated Fiduciary are receiving questions about what's going to be the impact on me and my estate if the items that were campaigned on are in fact implemented and it's question after question after question. And as much as we would love to know the answers about what's going to happen with tax reform, we still don't know that yet. That's what I remind families. They say, look, our job is to work alongside of your CPA to really understand the implications of what tax changes might be on you and your estate. That's part of our job. We're certainly keeping an eye on it. But uh, at this point, we're really focusing on the sunsetting of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which is slated for December 31st of 2025. Of course, it may be sooner, but a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, and owners of real estate often forget of that change that is coming And we are really laser focused on advanced planning strategies that help solve the estate tax burden once the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets. And regardless of what happens with tax reform in Washington, what are some ways that advisors can help add value? What are some tax efficient strategies that they're recommending? I hope that advisors are looking at their clients' tax returns to really discern a deeper understanding of the tax return profile and fact pattern. We're lucky to serve roughly 50 multi-generational families nationwide. And much of our conversations focus around how to bring value by way of advanced, pardon me, tax planning. Now we're not CPAs and we don't give tax advice, but as fiduciary financial planners, We work alongside of the CPA or tax advisor really to develop the architecture that will bring maximum value to an estate. For example, if there's a history of the family donating any level of money, could be $2,500 a year, could be $25,000 a year. We often will see families satisfy that charitable intent vis-a-vis cash donations. And when we look at their non-retirement holdings, we're often able to find highly appreciated tax inefficient and expensive mutual fund holdings that they may have been sold decades ago. And we can use those positions not only to reduce the overall cost of a portfolio, but to also minimize the capital gain that is often showing up on the Schedule D of the tax return. What we do with those positions is journal them into one of a myriad of charitable planning vehicles, including donor advised fund, possibly a charitable lead trust, possibly a charitable remainder trust, so that we can accomplish the satisfaction of charitable planning while also minimizing the tax drag of a tax inefficient portfolio and reducing the exposure to high cost investments. 
Pre-liquidity event planning is also a core competency at the firm. We really enjoy sitting down with a family to understand what the matriarch and patriarch have envisioned for their immediate family and then ultimately their grandchildren and using those core values to help drive much of the planning process in what I call alphabet soup. And a lot of it can get rather complex, but ultimately our job is to sit at the core of the planning wheel and work alongside of the tax advisor, the estate planner, the risk management officer or insurance agent and other allied professionals, just to make sure that we are leveraging those advanced planning strategies to reduce the tax burden of the family and keep as much money as possible in the estate. And what's it been like advising people throughout a global pandemic? And are there any takeaways that'll guide you and your process in the years to come as life returns to normal, hopefully? One of the unusual aspects about our firm is that we travel to clients. So it's not unusual for me to fly to New York or Baltimore, San Francisco or Dallas to meet with families to help them solve some of these unique problems. So the pandemic was interesting from an observational standpoint because having spent nearly a decade of my life consulting financial advisors, many of my former clients called me and said, I don't know what to do. I'm so used to all of my clients coming in, meeting with me, having our quarterly or annual meetings and having most of the business conducted in person. We feel very fortunate because we have been hosting Zoom-based or video-based meetings with families between in-person meetings. So for us, there really was no change. But I think that the conventional in-person meeting with a financial advisor will substantially shift to telephone or Zoom-based meetings because people realize that we live in a work-from-anywhere world. Building off of that, where do you see the financial services industry in the next five to 10 years? Two things come to mind. The first is I've always found it fascinating that in medicine, a licensed doctor has to take the Hippocratic Oath, which is first, do no harm. We don't have that in financial services. So I'm really hoping that we have some version of a true fiduciary standard implemented so that the public understands that a fiduciary financial planner or a person in financial services has a minimum level of value that is required to be brought to the client versus say a product sale or something of that nature. And secondarily, I think that we will continue to see the fee compression argument because there is the evolving number of self-directed individuals that like to trade their own accounts, but are really looking for financial advice only versus investors who ascribe to the conventional assets under management model. So I think that we will continue to see um, debate on what the appropriate cost structure of those relationships looks like. Morningstar has some changes announced to its updated categories. Would love for you to walk us through those. One of those is crypto, which I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions about, and just alternatives in general, given equity markets at all-time highs and the risks of uh, rising rates in the bond markets. 
Yeah, it was interesting reading the news on the new Morningstar updates, which include crypto, relative value, equity market neutral, event driven, macro trading, multi-strategy among others. What's also interesting are the categories that were removed, starting with bear market. Is there any more sign of the times with the Fed and the Treasury, which I deemed on financial Twitter as Treasury, um, launching record quantitative easing and fiscal stimulus, uh, monetary stimulus, pardon me. Volatility, multi-currency, long short credit, multi-alt, and lastly, market neutral were removed. And it's interesting because in my former career, I was consulting banks, independent broker dealers, registered investment advisors, and family offices, very specifically on how to use institutional alternative investments for their high net worth and ultra high net worth clients. And some of those categories were removed by Morningstar. And I just think it's emblematic of the times because anywhere you go on social media, we see references to crypto and on the heels of the record stimulus that has been launched again by the Fed and the Treasury, it seems that uh, history may not repeat itself, but oftentimes rhymes. And uh, some of those categories that were removed might become front of mind should things change. Well, Vance, great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Jenna, it's great to be back. I look forward to continuing the dialogue. Thank you for tuning in to Meet the RA. Be sure to visit AssetTV.com, your source for financial news and information, and to check out our other additional episodes of Meet the RA.